Hi, welcome to Uncle Salem Speaks. I'm Uncle Salem, a.k.a. Paul Canellis. And uh, today I want to talk about something that's a little bit different than, than what I have been covering in these podcasts, where I've been talking mainly about horror and Halloween-related things. But um, I just watched the first two episodes of The Last Dance documentary series, which is uh, ESPN and Netflix documentary series about the Chicago Bulls uh, last championship run where they had <clears throat> unprecedented, fascinating access to, to the players and the team. And, uh, uh, so far two episodes in it's, it's absorbing. It's, it's what I knew it would be because they weren't going to put out some, some crappy thing with, uh, all their footage and all their experience. It's well-written. It's set up perfectly, but it got me to thinking because you know, as a Pistons fan growing up, I hated Jordan. I did not like the Bulls. I didn't hate him in a way where I'd like wish he would die. It was like, it's a superficial, you know, it's more like, oh man, I hate that guy. It's because, you know, he's great. And he knew he was great, which is when, you know, that's one of the things that makes you kind of go, ugh, not that guy. Unless... He plays for your team. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Because if you watch it... Okay, let me backtrack just a little bit. Now, I assume you've heard of Michael Jordan. Even if you're not a basketball fan, you probably know who Michael Jordan is. <laughs> um, so, one thing about Michael Jordan is that he had a very strong and competitive will. I mean, he still does. And he's taken a lot of flack for it over the years. Now, he knew that when this documentary came out, he was going to get even more uh, scrutinized even more. And he said that a lot of people that didn't know basically how he was were not going to like him after this. So I don't know what we're going to find out in the next eight episodes, but I don't expect to be very surprised by it personally because I know that Michael Jordan had a almost angry uh, will to his competitive nature. And I know this because I also kind of have that. And, and I had it more so when I was younger where I would put a chip on my shoulder and dare somebody to knock it off. As an athlete, as a competitor... I would use anything I could to rile myself up to, to focus in to beat you. Now, as I said before, growing up as a Pistons fan, I didn't like the Bulls. I didn't like Jordan. Um, and it was because they were so good. And it was because they fought our guys, the bad boys, the Pistons. But here's the thing. Isaiah Thomas, small Michael Jordan. It's it's not even it's not even up for debate. Isaiah Thomas is the same exact way. Yeah, he's a cute dude, you know. <laughs> he's personable, charismatic, just things that he shares with Jordan, even more personable than than Jordan because he's uh 
He just has a likability about him. But you know what? That's a tough son of a gun. Isaiah Thomas will cut your heart out in a basketball game. He gotten in fights with his own players, fist fights, where he's just punching Lambeer, his center Lambeer. Isaiah Thomas had the same exact will to win as Michael Jordan with less physical gifts. That must that should be added because Jordan was six foot six, two fifteen, two twenty, put on even more muscle as he got older because of the pistons. He had to get past them and they they would, you know, they they did what they had to do because they had Isaiah Thomas. Now Isaiah was smaller, six foot one, six foot two. I think some people have him listed as six three, six four, but I heard him say he was more like six one. So he uh he didn't have the the physique to bully people out on the court the way Jordan did. He couldn't jump out of the gym the way Jordan did, but he had that same exact will. So you know who understands Michael Jordan's competitive nature? <clears throat> every great athlete, literally every great athlete understands Michael Jordan. Truly great. Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas, Bill Russell. They all completely understand Michael Jordan. They're not in awe of his competitive nature. They're not in awe of his will or the fact that he would do what he had to do to get the win, which is something that, you know, I always admired about him. They would say, now they will say, if you're the best at something you do, no matter what it is, they say like, oh, he's the Michael Jordan of accounting. (laughs) You don't get to be the name that's the stand-in for greatness by just, uh, you know, taking it on the chin, rolling over. And Michael Jordan was trying to be the best at every single thing, no matter what it was, but especially basketball. And in basketball, he was the best because of a lot of different reasons. But when someone is the best at at what they do, that's a person that you emulate in certain in certain ways. I'm not saying you be like Michael Jordan because a lot of the criticisms of Michael Jordan are um, relevant. Yes, he didn't uh, put his uh, neck out there for a lot of um, political, social discourse. Um, he didn't come out and say a lot of things maybe when you would have expected him to, the way LeBron does nowadays or, or someone like that. But as far as you watch a guy and you say, that guy's the best, you can watch a Bulls game for 10 minutes in the late 90s and go, oh, that guy must be the best player. <laughs> it's just that simple. So as far as... um not liking him after seeing the documentary. Well, it depends on what you liked him for. If you admired him because you thought he was, you know, some sweet, (laughs) amazingly um, uh, down to earth, nice guy. Hey, you're probably not going to like him. But if your admiration stems from the fact that he tried to be the best that he could be, and he tried to make everyone around him join up to his level, whether or not they were capable of it, which, yeah, as a person, 
that's not that's not going to be a cool way to deal with people. But as an athlete and competitor, when you looked around the locker room at the end of every season where they were all holding up the trophy, they were probably pretty okay with that. That's my guess. So anyway, just a few thoughts that I was having. And one of those thoughts is that Isaiah Thomas is kind of the odd man out of this deal to me. Because basketball people say, you have Jordan, you have Bird, you have Magic. To me, Isaiah is that fourth guy. <clears throat> and it's because every year in Isaiah's prime, the Pistons were there. And he was the best player on that team. He was the one with the willpower that was driving them forward. So I feel like he gets overlooked in this conversation of who the best players of that era were, or really of all time. I think Isaiah Thomas is a top 10 guy. For what he did, for what he did and what he accomplished pound for pound, Isaiah Thomas is every bit the competitor as Magic Johnson, as Larry Bird, as Michael Jordan. So yeah, anyway, just a few thoughts uh, watching the first couple episodes of The Last Dance. I may weigh in on this documentary again because I'm, I'm very uh, passionate about basketball and I'm really, really loving this so far. It's, it's really cool. And next week, they're going to talk about the Detroit Pistons. So I'm sure some of them old feelings will come back up, and I'll probably really hate that guy again for a while. <laughs> well, if you uh, made it through this podcast, thank you very much. If not, I'll talk about some more horror next time, okay, or some Halloween stuff next time. Just bear with me on that. <laughs> so uh, you guys take care and be safe. Lunchtime, heard a funny noise. Went out to the backyard to find out if it was one of those ratty boys. Stayed there with the neighbor called Peter and his folks capacitor. He told me he built a time machine like wanting to fill my scene. He said, I've been to the year 3000. Not much has changed, but they lived underwater. And you great, great, great granddaughter is doing fine, doing fine. Took me to the future and the bugs thing, and I saw everything. Boy bands, and another one, and another one, and another one. Girls there with brown hair like Star Wars, I float up underfoot. Drove around in a time machine like wanting to fill my scene. Not much has changed, but they lived underwater. And your great, great, great granddaughter is doing fine. Doing fine. I took a trip to the year 3000. This song had gone multi platinum. Everybody bought a seventh album. It had us of Kelly Clarkson. Took a trip to the year 3000. This song had gone multi platinum. Everybody bought our seventh album. Not much has changed, but they lived underwater. And your great, great, great granddaughter 
find you. I've been to the year 3000. Not much has changed, but they lived underwater. And your great, great, great granddaughter is doing fine. Not much has changed, but they lived underwater. And your great 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 granddaughter is doing fine. Doing fine. I decided to add a segment to the podcast after the main part of the podcast where I share a song here and there. Um, this is one that. Uh, recorded with my sons, three of my sons. Um, Anakin contributed a little. He's the little guy. He's four years old. He contributed a line or two, but mostly it's with me and my sons, Zach and Christian. Christian's beatboxing the beat out, and Zach's playing the guitar, and we're all singing it. And it's a cover of a Jonas Brothers song called Year 3000. So I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks.